0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of Added Time, a Games and Groups studio podcast with me, your host, Steve Watkins. And there's a hell of a lot to cover this week. I was getting a bit worried. I didn't think that there was enough really to talk about, but it's a new month. We're into November. It's the month that the World Cup kicks off. We'll talk about the World Cup a little later on. But there's been a lot going on, and there's been some. Amazing, well, amazing, um, surprising, probably, uh, breaking news a couple of hours ago, again, which I will talk about. A legend of modern football, I would say, has announced his retirement, but again, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I'll start off, as I usually do, with reviewing the Premier League fixtures from the weekend just gone. And um, first up, was Leicester versus Man City and it was a 1-0 win for Man City Kevin De Bruyne for me the best midfielder in the world with a world class goal a free kick I don't think two goalkeepers would have saved it and in fairness it was the only difference really between the two teams Leicester set up very very defensively You, I've not seen Leicester defend that deep for years And although at the time when I was sat there watching it in the first half and it was a bit frustrating, and at times I'll admit boring, watching Man City knock it about and seeing Leicester, you know, with with two banks, two banks of five essentially, making it really, really difficult for Man City to, to work their way into the box, it was a bit boring. And it was frustrating when, also when Leicester got the ball that there was this complete lack of movement. And what Leicester were clearly trying to do was to hit Man City on the counter-attack. Now, Leicester's record against Man City isn't terrible in terms of we've not been thrashed for a long time and we've had some good results against them. But... Um, but we also haven't scored against Man City at the King Power for a few for a few games now so obviously we're still trying to find that balance and it's obviously a way that Rogers believes it gives you a chance against Man City and in the last 15 minutes you know Leicester went for it they had some chances he actually changed the formation and you know there, there were a couple of chances at the end and I don't and I don't despite the despite the possession stats and despite you know the the lack of shots and stuff like that you know had it been 0-0 it would have been lauded as a as a defensive masterclass had it been 1-1 i don't know if too many people would have argued obviously man city didn't have haaland he didn't make the starting lineup much to the annoyance of a number of people who have him who took the punt including myself as him being uh, the, and putting him as my captain and, and him being available for the weekend I thought there was a little bit of not mind games but I, I had this feeling that he was going to Pep was going to name him but he didn't um, so no Haaland but I don't know whether he'd have got much of a sniff we were, we were that tight defensively so look it's I, I said that this was a throwaway game for Leicester and it's I, I come away from that result not or come away from the game I wasn't feeling disappointed it was one of those where you're just relieved actually that you've not been absolutely hammered and like I said uh, Kevin De Bruyne is just unbelievable what a player if he's not the best midfielder in the world I don't know who is I mean obviously you've got the likes of Bellingham who are attracting interest from all over and there's some superb Midfielders in world football, but I think De Bruyne stands head and shoulders above all of them. He's just got everything. What a player! Um, So not too disappointed. Obviously, I'm disappointed we lost. I never want to see us to see to see us lose. But I I saw some good signs there, and I just think lacking a little bit of quality in that final third. A couple of games to go before the break in the season. Let's see what happens. I said it last week, I got slaughtered for it on Saturday when I met up with um, with people on uh, before the game who'd listened to the podcast and on Friday night actually I went out for a little bit and they said, oh you're so negative, you're saying we're going to drop back into the bottom three and we did, because Liverpool let us down. But I'll come on to that in a bit. So let's draw back in the bottom three, but it's so tight down the bottom, it's it's crazy. You know, a couple of wins either way, and you're well up the table. So, Bournemouth two, Tottenham three. So Bournemouth went two nil up. This looked dead and buried, uh, but Spurs coming back and winning and they get scoring late on again. Something that Spurs seem to be doing or having, a, you know, doing regularly under Conte. That sort of never, never say die attitude. So Bournemouth, this is their third defeat in a row. I. I Wondered whether this was going to be the start of them dropping off because they, they, they did get some really good results after they got beat by Liverpool. But now they are starting to drop off. They are starting to be dragged into that bottom six or seven. So we'll see what happens with Bournemouth. No no real talk of a, manager, a new manager being appointed. I can't see a new manager coming in at Bournemouth before the World Cup, which means tomorrow they'll probably announce Sean Dyche or something because that's what happens to me. On these podcasts. Brentford won. Wolves won. So, you know, Wolves, I think, needed a resort of some kind. Uh, Neves with with a goal there for Wolves. Clearly one of their their better players. Um, (laughs) uh, Diego Costa sent off for a headbutt. He's got more red cards than he has goals so far in his Wolverhampton Wanderers career. I think that's all I need to say, really. Last week, I said it would be so typical of football for Bournemouth who, sorry, Brighton, who haven't scored, hadn't scored for five games, hadn't won under their new manager, to go and beat Chelsea, who is now managed by their old manager, Graham Potter. And guess what? Brighton won four one. They absolutely destroyed Chelsea. And it could have been a lot more from what I've seen. Uh, Thiago Silva clearing a couple off the line, but Chelsea just did not look good or, you know, didn't look very good at all. You know, they were Brighton were Brighton were all over it. Trossard with a goal again. Um, and this is these things happen in football. Um a lot's been said about the Brighton fans booing Graham Potter there's been a lot of talk in the media from the so-called experts and the pundits saying that it's a disgrace look I, I tweeted and said that initially I didn't get it like why are they why are they booing him I mean at the end of the day he's left Brighton, no disrespect uh, a great football club but he's left them to go and manage Chelsea in the Champions League You can't deny someone that opportunity. However, a couple of years ago, if Brendan Rodgers had left Leicester and gone to Arsenal, I'd have booed my head off. (laughs) So it's the fickle nature of football. I see a few things on on Twitter that uh, Brighton fans are saying. There's more to it than that. It's it's the fact that, you know, he did this after he said this. And look. People are entitled to change their mind. I saw one thing. Someone said, "Well, he took all. He took all the backroom staff. Well, that's what managers do. They they take people with them that they trust, not ninety nine times out of a hundred. So, a bit of a strange one that. But yeah, look, it, it's, it's Potter's first uh, first defeat as as Chelsea manager. So look, he's doing all right. Um, but." Uh, some some bad news for Chelsea and England in the Champions League games. I'll, I'll cover that a bit later on. Uh, Palace beat Southampton, as I expected. I always think that Palace look really good at home. Newcastle, 4-0 against Villa. So the the resurgent Villa against Brentford soon disappeared against Newcastle. Sorry, did I say Brentford then? The resurgent No, I said resurgent Villa, didn't I? Oh, I don't know what I'm doing says everyone. But let me start again. Right, Newcastle 4, Aston Villa nil. So Villa beat Brentford. That's what I said. Villa beat Brentford. Everyone got excited. And then Newcastle battered them. There we go. End of story. Almiron. Again. And Callum Wilson with two. Yeah, it remains to be seen whether he gets picked for England or not. He's apparently in the 55. But I think quite a, there's some names in that 55 that, uh, well, probably the less said the better, Danny Welbeck, I mean you'd have to have a serious, serious injury crisis to be taking Danny Welbeck, Welbeck to this World Cup, I like Danny Welbeck, I think he's had a good career, talented player, a lot of pressure on him at United because he was a local lad and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, anyway, remains to be seen whether Callum Wilson makes it onto the plane or not. Fulham nil, Everton nil. I don't think there's really a lot more to say about this. Uh, Pickford looked in in great form, which is good going into going into the World Cup. Uh, Pickford never lets down, lets England down. Anyway, so you know, no worries there. Oh, God, I've cursed it, haven't I? Shit. Oh, God. Who do we play first? Is it Iran? He's going to drop a bollock, isn't he? Now I've said that. Never mind. Never mind. The surprise result of the weekend, Leeds beating Liverpool 2-1. So, again, Liverpool, they are struggling. (laughs) All right, they're they're not in a relegation battle. They won't go down. But this isn't the Liverpool we've become accustomed to under Jurgen Klopp, and it was a, a you know last minute goal uh, by Leeds and uh, Meslier. The Leeds goalkeeper was was in inspired form. It was strange, really, because I'd messaged uh, Sam and said I get the feeling that Meslier isn't the or Meslier, whatever you want to call him, isn't the goalkeeper that he was, and then. He had an absolute worldie after that. So look, this, this result has, has put Leicester back in the bottom three. Um, but you know, there's there's a there's a little bit of enjoyment in seeing Liverpool suffer a little bit. So um they they, they look desperately unbalanced in, in the middle and they need a midfielder they're they're being linked heavily with Jude Bellingham, but he's being linked with all the big names man city real madrid manchester united have come forward today apparently and, and they're top of his he's top of the list for them uh, as a as someone that they they want and you can completely understand why because he's a ridiculous talent i don't know whether that solves liverpool's problem not not entirely sure but there we go not good for liverpool never mind arsenal Five Nottingham Forest nil, so Forest had tightened things up at the back. They were they were grinding out results, grinding out some draws, but Arsenal just keep going from strength to strength. Uh, a worrying moment when Saka came off injured, but it looks like it's not as bad as first expected. So that's good news for England. Uh, and like I said, I, I I think for me he starts on the right for England. Uh, I wouldn't want him to miss the world cup I think that would be a huge a huge miss but uh, yeah Arsenal are flying gone back to the top of the league so let's see what uh, let's see what they can do after the world cup and then another player who proved me wrong you might have seen me tweet about it on sunday so sunday morning or sunday lunchtime actually uh, went out for something to eat with uh, Sonny uh, and his wife before and w- with my family before we headed off to Warner Brothers Studios to do the the Harry Potter tour and I said to I said to Sonny, Rashford's not a center forward he can't head the ball for a start so obviously what does Marcus Rashford do he scores an absolute bullet header to win the game for United 1-0 so Keep proving me wrong, Marcus. I don't mind. Uh, I mean, the cross on Ericsson. Oh, unbelievable. I mean, that that is... You can talk about Haaland and, you know... Nunes is getting there for Liverpool. But... Surely, surely Ericsson, in terms of when you look at... When you, when you think about everything, when you think about the, the transfer fee... And and all the things that come with it—the fact that he still plays football—all things considered, what a signing! And and possibly will turn out to probably be the signing of the summer. So that's last weekend's fixtures gone through. I'll uh, I'll go through this weekend's fixtures nearer the end of the podcast. Now, seeing as it's a new month, I thought I would um, piggyback on the on the back of. Goal of the month, player of the month, and manager of the month. Why not? Give my opinion. Now, I've looked at it uh, for this month. For sorry, for October. So obviously, we're looking back at the previous month. I think for me, there's only there's probably there's only one player for me that gets player of the month, and that's got to be Almiron. Uh, he scored a number of goals. He looks confident. He looks like he's in form. Uh, a lot, a lot has been said about the. The Jack Grealish comment over the summer. Now now let's let's be honest. For for however long he's been in the Premier League up until the start of this season, he has been a fairly average player in a fairly average or below average team that has managed to stay in the division. But he looks like a different player this season. He looks confident, it looks like whatever whatever Eddie Howe is doing works and the formation suits him or the style of play suits him better. You know, so he's having one, as they say, and uh, fair play to him. He's he's playing really, really well, and um, I'm sure the New- Newcastle fans are delighted. He seems like he's a bit of a bit of a cult hero up there already. So he's my player of the month. In terms of manager of the month, I can only I can only really go with Eddie Howe. You know, they are they are top of the form guide. They are absolutely flying. I mean, I looked at it earlier. For October, so they've played seven games in October. They've won six, drew one, scored sixteen goals, conceded about five, I think. So that's, I mean, that's not the Newcastle we've come to know, is it? Really, we've come to know Newcastle will be pretty crap. But he's doing, he's he's doing a great job at Newcastle, and still in the top four. I'm sure they are. Sure, they're still in the top four. They are. They are. So, good job. Um, He's my manager of the month. Now, goal of the month. I'm going to do it, and I don't don't really care what anyone says or what anyone thinks. I'm going to be biased, and I'm going to go for Yuri Tillemans against Wolves. What a strike! Unbelievable goal. Edge of the box. Bang. On the volley. In the corner, top bins, as they say. Superb goal, and uh, set set the set the uh, set that game up perfectly. Really, to, for Leicester to then go on and win. Some notable goals, though. That that actually, to be honest, it, it was really hard. Actually, when I looked at what had been nominated for the month for goal of the month, I thought, I might have to go against my own team here. Uh, De Bruyne's free kick at the, when, at the weekend absolute filth. Pure filth. I unfortunately had a, a great view of it. I knew it was in as soon as it left his foot. So that was that was unbelievable. I believe De Bruyne has scored an absolute beauty against Brighton as well. There was Thomas Partey's goal against Spurs. That was that was a great goal. So it was, it was difficult to to pick. Uh, Almiron scored a couple of lovely goals as well in October. But hey, there's not a lot for, for Leicester fans to celebrate so far this season. So I'm going to go for Yuri Tillemans as my goal of the month for October. So there's only going to be three games for me to pick from, I guess, for... Uh, goal of the month, player of the month, manager of the month for November because of the World Cup Uh, so we'll see what happens I'll I'll try and remember to do it because we'll be right in the middle of the the World Cup by the time we hit the start of December let's talk about the Champions League, so the Champions League group stages finished last night and group winners in the Champions League by Munich, Benfica Benfica finished top above PSG. They had the same goals scored, same goals against. The head-to-head was 1-1 in both games. So I believe that means that Benfica have gone top on alphabetical order. That's mental. But what that does do, it throws up a little bit of... It makes it interesting because then now PSG are unseeded. And I believe I'm right in saying, obviously, a, a an unseeded team plays a seeded team. So you could end up with PSG against Man City or Bayern Munich, Real Madrid. So Bayern Munich, Benfica, Chelsea, Man City, Napoli, who are having a hell of a season. Not, not lost a game in Serie A so far. Ten wins, two draws. Porto, Real Madrid and Spurs. Now I watched the Spurs game, I thought they were crap for the most part, uh, that that group was, was mental, I think the who went through and who went out changed about six times throughout the night, at one point Spurs were going out, at one point Marseille were going through, then Sporting were going to go through, it, it changed and then... Spurs came from a goal down to win 2-1 Hoiberg right at the end with, again, a late, late goal to to get them through. So, group runners-up, Bruges, so they've qualified for the knockouts uh, for the first time, I think I read. They don't do it very often, either way. Uh, Dortmund, Frankfurt, Inter, Leipzig, Liverpool, Milan and PSG. So, like I say could throw up some interesting interesting draws that in in the round of 16 and and one of the one of the big big teams could go out in the round of 16 i mean if you look at you know we could end up with PSG man city now they're probably the two favorites actually uh i would imagine man city the favorites then followed by psg then bayern munich then real madrid i think i think so we could end up in that scenario um those that have dropped into the um those that have dropped into the uh Europa League uh, Ajax Barcelona Juventus Leverkusen Salzburg Sevilla Shakhtar and Sporting so they go into a knockout round and what happens is they so whoever wins whoever wins those, they go in almost like as as a seeded team. So, I don't know what the score is at the minute, but if United finish second in their group, for example, in the Europa League, and all of these teams win, we could get Man united Ajax, or Man United-Barcelona, Man United-Juventus, etc. So, um, I'm just going to have a quick look, actually, because United are playing right now. They are winning 1-0. It's the 81st minute. so they need, But they need to win by two clear goals to top the group, I believe. So, as it stands, I believe they're second. I've said I believe a lot. I believe, no, I can't sing that song. Jesus. Um, so, yeah, it does, it again, it throws it up, makes the Europa League that little bit more interesting. Should teams drop into into the Europa League if they failed in the Champions League. It's it's a debate that could go on. Um, I think it makes it a little bit more exciting. Do I want to see Man United-Barcelona in the Europa League? Yeah. God, yeah. I'd want to see that. Or Juventus. Um, I don't think United should fear facing those teams either. Uh, especially Ajax. I really don't think they should... They should um, fear them at all so teams that are out of Europe completely, Atletico Madrid that's huge first time ever I don't don't think they're not qualified out of their Champions League group Celtic, Copenhagen Dinamo Zagreb, Maccabi Haifa Marseille went out uh, Pilsen and Rangers and unfortunately for Rangers they now are statistically the worst team in the history of the Champions League not great for Scottish football I look I'm not qualified enough to talk about Scottish football and whether they should be in the Champions League or not I don't watch Scottish football enough we we all criticize it and say it's crap and it's a farmers league and you know and, and all of this and and that you know the you get a lot of conversation about should Rangers and Celtic be in in the English leagues, and people say, well, they'd have to start from League Two, and they wouldn't get out of League Two, and and yeah, so uh, it's it's a debate for for people that know more about Scottish football than me. So yeah, just a quick, wasn't quick, but you know, a roundup of what's sort of happened in Europe. The draws, I believe, take place. On Monday so we shall see what happens there Um, yeah the uh, Ganacho, the young lad for United scored the goal so but I do I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that they need two clear goals to come top which will mean they will avoid one of those teams that has dropped out from the Champions League but as I said I don't think they should fear anyone United at the moment so, right. So a couple of hours ago, um, a legend. I'm going to call him a legend of uh, of the mod- of the modern game has announced that Sunday will be his last game. Uh, Gerard Piquet will turn out for Barcelona for the last time. Uh, he said, in uh, he's done a, he's done a farewell video, which is a very I want to say it's a very Spanish thing to do. Do you remember the whole Griezmann thing? When he, was he signing a contract? Was he moving and all of this? And there was this whole thing, a video and yeah. So PK has done, done a farewell video to say that he always said that once he decided he was going to retire, there was not going to be a club after Barcelona. You know, he wasn't going to go to America, which I'm sure... You know, the likes of Inter Miami and teams like that could have would have thrown money at him. Uh, but he's announced his retirement. He's 35. Uh, Sunday will be his last game, as I said. So by the time he plays on Sunday, uh, he will finish on 667 career games. That's obviously for Barcelona. People forget that he also played for Man United and he had a, a spell on loan at Zaragoza. 102 caps for Spain now trophies won this is he was part of one of the best teams that have ever existed the Pet Guardiola Barcelona team uh, he's played alongside and with some of the best players in the history of football uh, so he's had, a, he's had a blessed career But let's read out his, uh, let me just read out what he's won, his honours. So one World Cup, one Euros, a Premier League with Man United, three UEFA Super Cups, six Spanish Super Cups. Uh, He also won the European Under-19 Championship with Spain. He has, he's got a Community Shield, he's got the Moyes Trophy, he has an English League Cup, he's got seven Spanish Cups, he was champion of Spain eight times, four Champions Leagues, uh, one of which was with United, actually three with Barcelona. Uh, oh, he won back-to-back. He won back-to-back Champions Leagues. 7 with United, 08-09 with Barcelona, and three FIFA Club World Cups. Some career. Um, he's widely regarded as one of the, the best centre-backs of a, of a generation, some people have said that he looked good alongside Puyol, who was obviously an absolute legend and a monster of a centre back. Like I said, he played in probably the best team that has ever been, or one of the best teams that's ever been. So you know, it it you I guess you can look good in that team, but you know he's he's won Champions Leagues. He's done it with Spain um, as well, uh, and and. He had a stint in the Premier League. So, you know, it's not like he's done all of it in Spain. Uh, obviously, over the last year or so, there's been some controversial stuff off the pitch, which we won't go into. But how the hell do you cheat on Shakira? Um So, yeah, it's uh an, an end to a, a wonderful career, uh, a fantastic footballer. And let's see what happens next. Uh, I mean, he, he's actually contracted for uh until the summer of 2024 so he's he's ending he's ending this early uh I, I i think finances have probably played a huge part in this uh he's obviously one of the the big earners at barcelona and we all know about their money troubles and how they're having to you know players have been having to take cuts and in, in wages and stuff like that so uh yeah june the 30th 2024 his contract was due to expire so he'd got he'd got 18 months still on his contract so like I say 35 younger than me bastard so yeah we'll see what happens next I imagine he will have a role of some description at Barcelona so these these players that we've grown up and watched are are now starting to retire and it's um I don't know part of me is a bit sad to see some of it you know um absolute legends some of these some of these players will end up being so right let's talk about injuries and the world cup so the world cup starts this month 20th of November in Qatar it is the first winter world cup uh, a controversial world cup for various reasons uh, away from football uh, but for me I think the biggest issue that I've got with it outside of that off-the-pitch stuff is the timing of it. Now, they've had, what, eight years or whatever to to plan this. I just, I I don't think it's right that the season goes up, right finishes a week before. Now, ordinarily, when it's a summer World Cup, the season finishes... For most teams in May, you might get some teams that you'll obviously you'll get two teams that play in a Champions League final, and sometimes that's that's been creeping into like June and stuff. And then the World Cup will start the back end of June. So they do get a bit of a break. Most players get four or five weeks, and this time it's a it's a week. And we're playing right up and up to. And what we're starting to see is a lot of big names are not going to be going to the World Cup due to injuries. So I tweeted a list uh, a while back actually of of names um, of players that aren't going to be at the World Cup uh, this year. So, and that list has, has, uh, has increased significantly. So some of the... Some of the big names, I mean, some of these injuries have happened weeks ago and, you know, regardless of when the World Cup would have been, they would have um, probably missed it anyway, you know. And injuries can happen at any time, I get that, and they can be injured in training and things like that. So, Kante isn't going to be at the World Cup, Pogba isn't going to be at the World Cup, uh, Jota isn't going to be there for Portugal, uh, Pedro Neto isn't going to make it either. Uh, there's a there's another player for France. I think it's that uh, Kamara that plays for Villa. He isn't going to make it as well. Um, and then you know you've got Reese James is a massive doubt. I believe DiBala isn't going to make it for for Argentina. He's also injured. The other night Son went off, uh, took a, a a smack to the face. Well, well, he headed someone's shoulder. It's been confirmed he needs surgery. He may miss the World Cup, which is huge for South Korea. Uh, Timo Werner is, has been ruled out of the World Cup. And then last night, Ben Chilwell pulled up injured with a hamstring. And it it's going to be touch and go as to whether he makes it. There's been no announcement yet. It may be a minor thing that with a couple of weeks rest and then obviously he can meet up with the England squad and he can be assessed there. It's a 26-man squad. We have other players as well. Um, I just... I just think for me, you know, <laughs> if, if they'd have just said, right, the last game of the season is uh, the last weekend of October and then we have a break, people will have been annoyed because it would have been like, oh, God, it's no football for three weeks, you know, and certain fans of certain teams would have been, oh, we're on a really good run. I don't want the season to stop. You know, why couldn't we have played another game? But I just think it should have finished last weekend. Is my opinion, and it, it just those last three names there—Chilwell, uh, Son, and uh, Werner—if the season had stopped, including Champions League last weekend, those players wouldn't be wouldn't be missing for their country. It throws into question, you know, the amount of games and stuff, and, and player welfare. And you know, I get it; they're paid really, really well. I completely get it. But, you know, <laughs> they're human beings at the end of the day. And, you know, professional football isn't like having a kickabout down the park or playing a game of five-a-side at the leisure centre. This is this is the highest level of football, professional sport, that you can get. So, and, and it's a shame. like, If you miss a World Cup and if you're a certain age, you may never play at a World Cup again. I mean, Kante has played at a World Cup and won a World Cup. But at his age, he probably won't play at a World Cup again. He may do because he's a machine, but it's it, it remains to be seen. So, I, I th- you know, there is, there is a debate, could or, or should Chilwell have played last night in a what was a meaningless game for Chelsea? That the result wouldn't have mattered either way. Chelsea had qualified top, etc. Look, Potter is entitled to... Uh, play the strongest team that he thinks is is he can uh, and if that means playing Chilwell at left back you know he's thinking about Chelsea he isn't thinking about England I have no doubt that he will want England to do really well at the World Cup but it's not his responsibility to be like oh I'm not going to play Chilwell because he's English but you know what I'll tell you what we'll put in you know, whoever uh, and then he could you know if he gets injured it don't matter because he's not English you can't Think like that. Professional managers don't think like that. He is the Chelsea manager, and he wanted to pick Chilwell, and he has every right to do that. Uh, I know that the the Argentinian players they they are getting an extra week. I think that has been requested. So uh, because there is a there is a stat flying around that um, on the basis that Messi plays one more game for PSG before the World Cup, and if Argentina gets to the final, and he plays every game the World Cup final, it would make the World Cup final his 1,000th game. So, one of those weird stats that gets banded around. Uh, But what I'm trying to get at is that the Argentinian players aren't going to feature the week before. So, they're getting an extra week. Now, if all of the FAs did that, some teams would really struggle to field um, a team. If you if you look at someone like United, um, you know Varane is injured anyway. Um, you know Maguire would would be rested. I imagine he's going to get called up. Luke Shaw wouldn't be able to play. Fred, Casemiro, Ronaldo, Rashford, possibly Sancho, um, Lindelof, uh, Sweden at the World Cup. I I'm not sure. Uh, Ericsson, maybe. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to field a team. Uh, Martinez because he's Argentinian. So look, it's I. I I just think they should have ended it last weekend and then there wouldn't be this debate the players can have a rest and it's fair, it's it's equal you know, because now the Argentinian players are getting a, a week's rest ahead of everyone else, will that make a difference? I don't know who knows I've, I've just got visions of that, that final that last game before last Premier League game before the before the World Cup, let me have a quick look. Um, so it's the it's the twelfth and thirteenth. Spurs have got leads. What's the betting? Harry Kane gets injured the week before. So let's hope he doesn't. But there we go. That's my uh, that's my thoughts on it. Oh, I can't change anything. Nothing's going to change. There we go. Right, I've rambled and ranted and talked a lot of bollocks over the last 40 minutes. So let's round this up with a preview of this weekend's fixtures. So first up we have Leeds against Bournemouth. Leeds are obviously going to be high on confidence following their win against Liverpool. Bournemouth like I said are on a bit of a a bit of a decline at the moment. I'm actually going to go for a Leeds win on this one. Man City, Fulham. Uh, Remains to be seen whether um, Haaland will feature. He didn't feature in the Champions League last night, but it wasn't a game that they needed to win necessarily. Man City, Fulham, but you can only envisage a Man City win. But I said that last weekend about Leeds, Liverpool, and I said it against about Forest as well. Talking of Forest, they play Brentford at home. Hmm, interesting game. I'm going for a draw on this one. Wolves, Brighton. I think Brighton are going to win this one. Yeah, an away win for Brighton. Everton, Leicester, 5.30 on Saturday night. I will take a draw right now. I think it will be a draw. Big game on Sunday lunchtime. Chelsea versus Arsenal. So, Aubameyang could return against his old club. Ooh, draw two-two. Uh, Villa against United. So Unai Emery's first game in charge, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get United in this. One. I think they're doing I think they're doing really well this season. I think they'll finish in the top four. I've said it a few times now. Southampton, Newcastle, flying at Newcastle United, and I think they'll continue that. Southampton, you kind of know what you're getting these days with Southampton. West Ham versus Palace. Ooh, draw, I think, on that one. And then a big game. Two two teams that are in a weird, a weird place in terms of uh, how they're both performing. You know, Spurs aren't performing great, but they seem to be picking up points and they are still, you know, they're, they're still third. But Liverpool are the ones that are struggling in, you know, relative to how good Liverpool are. They are struggling. Ooh. Tough one. Tough one to pick. Uh, I'm going to go with, do you know what? I'm going to go for a Spurs win. I'm going to go for a 1-0. 1-0 Spurs win. And that's it. That is the this weekend's fixtures. And that is the end of this week's podcast. Don't forget to check out the other things that happen under the Games and Graph Studio banner. That is the Clubhouse podcast with Sonny G. Uh, back in video form. The last episode was was great. It was great to see back on YouTube as well. Finn Steele absolutely killing it with his streams over on Twitch. I will be back next week with episode 17 of added time in the meantime have a good week have a good weekend enjoy your football and I will see you next time